0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. It was fun to be here with you this morning, um, Thank you for welcoming me here. I just got to know Boogie just to actually, this fall, we did a retreat with some pastors and uh, we went away and did some time in solitude and hanging out and we talked about important parts of our lives. And he said, I want you to come share that at Branches. And it fits right in the midst of this series on renovation, which you guys started last week, and I'm excited about this series. Not many churches focus in and do something as significant as this series is bringing to you here. So really pay attention to the good things that are part of this series. Let me tell you a little bit about what I do. Um, my name is Michael Bischoff, like they shared, but I have a ministry called Soul Leader, and I do work with pastors and churches and missionaries all over the place. And one of the privileges I have is I'm kind of at different churches every Sunday, And I love to be a little bit like an apostle that can go around from place to place and just really bless those churches and work with the leaders and just try to bring encouragement. Do you guys love Boogie here? I think I sense that you love him. I can tell by how many things fall apart when he's not here, Um, that he's needed and wanted and missed greatly. I was so glad we could get away this week, and I said, let me just come speak, and you guys go have fun somewhere and that's such a good thing for pastors to do but pray for him you know being a pastor is one of the four hardest jobs in the world peter drucker the father of modern modern management said that years ago the four hardest jobs in the world are president of the united states ceo of a hospital president of a university and pastor and I think pastors is really at the top of the list because it gives drain to more areas of our lives than any other job imaginable. And most people don't realize that, but because I get to work with hundreds of pastors, I see how much stress and how many issues come in and intersect their lives. So, so pray for him, support them, and love them. One of the fun things I do is when I get to come and a pastor not there is just to remind you how to love your pastors and your staff and the team and the leaders of this church by just being a part and realizing you're in it together, right? It's not just on the pastor's shoulders, but you're all in it together trying to be the church, and that's one of the most exciting realities around. So, that's a little bit what I do. When I work with pastors, we look at things through a holistic lens. I call it holistic formation, and there's six areas we usually look at. There's a little slide that kind of shows those. When we deal with ourselves as people. We look at our spiritual formation, what's going on in our relationship with God, our emotional formation, what's going on inside of us, our relational formation, what's going on in the friendships in our lives, our mental formation, what's going on in our mind, our physical formation, what's going on in our body, and our missional formation. When you get all those other things kind of under control, how are you going to give that away as good news? And all that makes up a whole person, okay? What does it mean to be a whole person, a whole follower of Jesus? And that's what this renovation series is about. You're talking about the different dimensions of who you are, almost like gauges on a dashboard, okay? Seeing which ones are doing okay and which ones are in the red, or little lights that go on, and it's just like, oh, the light went on, the light must be broken, right? I don't pay attention to that when that happens, even though your car might not work. Our life has these gauges that we need to pay attention to, and they're really, really important to pay attention to. This series, like I said, is just such a good thing. Renovation, I, I think of one of my mentors, Dallas Willard, who died a couple of years ago. Some of you might have read some of Dallas's books, but he wrote a book called Renovation of the Heart, we have a small group, uh, House Church, that's going through it right now, and it's, we're learning a lot about what does it mean to be renovated and all the parts of who we are. Um, they wrote a second copy of the book called Revolution of Character because Dallas was a philosopher at USC for 40 years, and sometimes his books are difficult to read. So, if you want the user-friendly version, it's called Revolution of Character. But I think if you want to read a little more deeply on the kinds of things this series is covering, those would be two great books to read. Boogie and I were talking about it, and he's reading it right now, Renovation of the Heart. But Dallas shared this. He said, if you want to transform the will, so what's your will? We don't talk a lot about it, right? That's your chooser, how you make choices. It's your wanter. What do you want? okay? That's all your will. Your will has a lot of power in your life. So, if you want to transform your will, you implement the will through the transformation of the various parts. What does that mean? You look at the parts, and then the parts will make up the whole, okay? Because it's really about the whole, but you can't understand the whole unless you pay attention to what the parts are, and that's what this renovation series is doing. And so, Boogie asked me to come speak on this kind of unique thing, our physical life, our physical formation, or the body, Okay? I can't say I give a sermon on this all the time. It's going to be unique, so fasten your safety belts because uh, kind of some weird stuff that we talk about. But I really believe the physical, our bodies affect the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, the relational, all that other stuff. Because if the physical isn't working, if your body's not cooperating, nothing else matters, right? It just doesn't work. And so, I give an inventory called a holistic formation inventory to others sometimes, and of those six areas, which one do you think inevitably scores the lowest? Our body, okay? The physical aspect. I usually give that to pastors and leaders, and it's really sad how much we neglect ourselves um, in that, but almost always people score the lowest in this area. So, if you're feeling kind of bad about some of the things we talk about this morning, you're in good company, okay? Most of us are feeling a little bit bad about it. For some of us, it's the most painful Really? Because it's so practical, and it's real in our lives. And you know, it's in the news more than any other area of our formation. It just is, right? Because when something takes place in our body, nothing else works, and we know it. Two and a half weeks ago, my mom had a stroke. Mom's going to be 82 years old in April. She's here this morning with me, and I'm really glad to have her there, here. But the thing I've realized over the last couple of weeks is when something in your body changes, it's really hard to, you know, you don't realize what you had until you miss it. And this whole message is kind of like that. We need to pay attention to all the parts of our body because they matter so much, and God's given them to us. And when something goes away, sometimes you can't get it back. And so, that's why this is so important to me. Let me give you a little definition of physical formation, okay? So, it's what, what are we talking about? Because a lot of times people think, oh, you know, you just want to look like a model or let's get six-pack abs or, you know, how do we get more vein? And that's not what we're talking about, okay? My definition, it's the opportunity to discipline our physical bodies with proper habits of relaxation, sleep, eating, and exercise for the purpose of godliness, Okay, notice that last phrase. Why? Through God. So we could be more like God, more like Jesus wants us to become. That's the purpose. And then we look at these four different areas that you see up there, okay? Proper habits of relaxation and all the stress that comes on in our lives, sleep, eating, and exercise, okay? Boogie introduced this series last week with a verse from 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17. And it's a great passage of Scripture because it reminds us how important that in the Old Testament there was a temple, and that's where God showed up. God lived in the temple, and you wanted to worship God, you went to the temple to be with God, okay? We don't have temples anymore, okay? Now what we have is we have church, and we collectively kind of become God's temple, but even more than that, every one of us is like the building block of that temple. Your life, your body is like a building block within the temple of the church, and that's where God shows up. God shows up in you Look what the verse says again, Do, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? Some translations say in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred. It's sacred, and you together are that temple. Now, it's kind of a weird word, verse, that second part, but we don't need to wait for God to destroy us. A lot of us are doing a pretty good job destroying it ourselves, you know, the way we take care of ourselves. We're helping the process along. God wants to build something great in us and through us as a church, and we have a choice. We can celebrate and cooperate with it or neglect what it means to let God's Spirit dwell in our midst. Another real important verse is Romans 12, verse 1. Many of you probably know this, but I think it sets the stage for what we want to talk about here today. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So, go back to the temple, right, Old Testament time. What were they offering up there? Okay, animals, right? There was like a constant stream of blood that was flowing out of the temple because sacrifices were being done. They killed animals. Well, we don't have that anymore. Now, we're the offering. The sacrifice is us, is our body, and that's what that verse talks about. We're in a place where we get a chance to offer our bodies to God as that sacrifice. So the question that stands to us is, how is your body doing? Is it a good sacrifice when you bring it to God? What are you offering to God? Our body kind of takes on a life of his own. A life of its own. Is it? And it's supposed to do that. God designed our body to take on, take on a life of its own. And, I, you know, I talked about what we want and what we choose and what we desire, right? You ever find your body kind of taking control about the things you want? That time that happened to me, one of the places we loved to take our kids when our kids were growing up was Goofy's Kitchen, okay? Disneyland, Disneyland Hotel. Any of you love Goofy's Kitchen? It's ridiculously expensive. But if you go with Grandma, she paid for it all. So, that was always a good thing. But we go to Goofy's Kitchen, and I got a problem with buffets. Because the Apostle Paul says, I buffet my body to bring it into subjection. But when I see a buffet, I just tend to go crazy. My body wants more and more. And I remember eating dinner, and you go back, and there's like five different kinds of pizzas and 20 different kinds of desserts and everything imaginable. And I remember getting to that place that's the point of no return, but you usually realize it too late because you eat fast, right? And I had not only filled up my stomach, I think I would filled up my entire esophagus, Because I remember feeling it right about here like, I think it's full and it's going to (laughs) blow. Not a good thing. So, I had to leave the table quickly. I ran to the bathroom and when it blows, it blows. I had to make sure the bathroom was cleared out because I'm really noisy when something like that happens. But it's pretty much, there goes Goofy's kitchen all down the drain. Not a good experience. But that's what your body does, right? When it wants more than you can have or should have. But yet our body fights us that way. It says, you want more, you need more and you're going to keep packing it in whether you should or not. And in a fallen world, our bodies takes on a system of tendencies that are often away from God or against God, and we need to understand that, that our bodies aren't naturally turning to what God wants. They almost naturally turn away from what God wants. But some good ways of thinking about our body, our body is a couple things. It's potential energy, Right? Energy is within every molecule, every atom in our universe, okay? Just do some reading in physics, and you'll understand how energy is just wrapped up. And I love even Scripture that says, like, in Jesus, everything just moves and lives and has its being in Jesus. God holds all that energy together. Well, our body's like that too. It's potential energy. But it's only good energy if we're able to access it and use it and have enough health, to do what God wants us to do, our body's also available to us that we can act and do things, right? When we don't have a body, we can't act. Or if our body's physically handicapped in some way, then we're not able to do some things. And our body's available to act. Our body's also our personalized power pack, okay? Think of it, I like to think of it like batteries, okay? I got diagnosed last year with adrenal fatigue. That just means that you, you, you do so many things that your little adrenal glands that are like little walnuts that sit on top of your kidneys behind you, are little batteries. And if you keep going, 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 going all the time, those batteries are eventually going to wear down, and they're not going to work anymore, and you better recharge them. And I'm not, I wasn't taking enough time for recharging, okay? And that happens to us. Your body is like a power pack, and you need it to do what God wants you to do. And the work that you do, and the family that you give time to, and the friends that you hang out with how's your energy doing? How's your power pack doing? And some of you might be going, you know, I'm not sure how important this is to God or to Jesus, but if you read your Bible, the body was really important to Jesus. And you can tell because when Jesus did miracles, He didn't just go and say, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved. What did He do more of when you read about Jesus walking around, the, you know, the land of Israel in His time? he healed people, right? He'd go around and he'd heal people of their physical ailments and diseases and leprosy and blindness. Then he'd save them later. And it was like he did the whole package deal. It wasn't just about salvation. He loved their bodies and redeemed their bodies as well. And we need to pay attention to that. In our world today, we're a lot like the ancient Gnostics who had a dualism that said, matter, our body, that's evil. All that stuff's bad. It's going to burn one day. Spirit, that's good. The spiritual life is good. And Jesus broke all that down and said, no, no, no. It's all created by God. It's all good. But we're really dualistic today, and we even separate that, you know, and be like, oh, I'm taking care of my heart. I'm taking care of my spirit. I'm good. But then I'm going to go abuse my body in ways, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. So, be careful of that. Don't be a modern Gnostic that doesn't pay attention to those kinds of things. When the body is ignored and neglected It does a really good job of just getting in the way your body will just get in your way and that's a really frustrating thing think of it this way have you ever tried to focus on anything or be present with someone when you've only gotten a few hours sleep how's that work for you not too good how do you feel after a meal when you've eaten way too much or when you've neglected to eat and needed the energy for something that was real important how do you feel it right how about trying to do something that you used to be able to do but now when you try you're winded and flexible sore exhausted just trying to do it. Can you relate to some of that? That then what makes us think that we can be effective disciples of Jesus or serve God or live in kingdom ways when our body won't cooperate with these things. So I just want to look at four areas this morning, okay? And we have needs in four different areas and we'll put them up here for you, but they're basically poor eating habits, poor nutrition, proper weight, proper body weight. Second is inadequate exercise. Third is insufficient sleep, rest, and daily rhythms. And the fourth one is the stress of daily life. So, I thought we could start by just doing this. A little true confession together with each other. Just take a minute and turn to someone sitting next to you in twos or threes or whatever. And it, with this list of people, Think about what challenges do you face the most? What's the hardest for you to face? Is it stress? Is it sleep, rest, daily rhythms? Is it eating? Or is it exercise? Okay? Take just a minute, break into a group, and share that with somebody so you can see the kinds of things you might struggle with. Okay. Thanks for sharing that with somebody. We got to be a little bit aware of what's going on. I appreciated the awareness this morning because they didn't know maybe what I was going to be teaching on, and then you did this, like, fellowship deal out here and had these big giant breakfast burritos, and I went outside, and everybody, like, tried to hide their breakfast burrito from me, feeling a little bit guilty. I don't want you to feel guilty. That's not my purpose here today. That would be the worst thing, but I do want you to be aware. I want you to be far more aware of these areas because the title of this message really is, Is Your Body Holy?, This renovation series is set up to look at all different aspects of who you are, and we're asking the question, is your body holy, okay? How important is your body to you? And it's important to pay attention to these things. My friend, Pastor Bobby Schuler, wrote this little deal, kind of a blog thing. He called it Sin Creeping in the Back Door of America, and he asked it this way, dear friends, I have watched a growing trend in America, not just towards sin, but a particular sin that threatens the very fabric of marriage in the church. What once used to be understood in the church as one of the gravest sins is now being looked at as something small and even okay in some circles. Even though the Bible is crystal clear on the issue, pastors are mentioning in it less and less. They do this because they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or they want to be loving. Love is central to the Christian message, but sometimes a pastor has to use tough love and simply call out a sin for what it is. Many are trying to allow these people to be married. Some denominations are even ordaining these individuals and allowing them to preach and administer the sacraments. These people are even lobbying the government to continue in their ways and bully anyone who says anything bad about them. The excuse, science says they are born that way, or at least with some predisposition. The truth, these people are self-indulgent and choose to ignore the truth of Scripture. It's obvious that our bodies were not made for this sin and that it causes all sorts of deadly diseases. The sin, of course, I am speaking of is gluttony. A little curveball there, huh? Probably weren't thinking about that. And yet it used to be one of the seven deadly sins, right? Gluttony, just kind of satisfying our body with whatever it wants. And yet it's a sin that impacts us in manifold ways, deep ways, and hurtful ways. Let's talk about these four areas. First one's nutrition. Nutrition is something that I want to fit here. This is an interesting study. You can, you can YouTube this and find various studies on it, but this one I saw a while back where this New York City photographer takes a Happy Meal burger and fries and photographs it every few days for more than six months. The result was basically that the photo on day one looks almost identical to day 180. No mold, no decay. It's the Happy Meal fountain of youth. So let's play that video clip. I know we're not going to lunch today. Is that kind of gross? And now they've done studies even longer, like years with kind of food like this. You know, God has given us amazing, amazing food. Uh, He's built into food some hints if we would just even pay attention to what the food looks like. God left us with clues to what foods even specifically help what parts of the body. Look at some of these foods on the screen here. A sliced carrot looks like a human eye. There's pupil, iris, radiating lines that look just like the eye, and yes, science shows that carrots greatly enhance blood flow and function to our eyes, our eyes. A tomato has four chambers and is red. The heart has four chambers and is red. Research shows tomatoes are loaded with lycopene and are pure heart and blood food. Grapes hang in a cluster that have the shape of a heart. Each grape looks like a blood cell, and research shows today grapes are also profound heart and blood vitalizing food. Walnuts. A walnut looks like a little brain with a left and right hemisphere. Upper cerebrums, lower cerebellums, even the wrinkles or folds uh, on the nut are just like the neocortex. We now know walnuts help develop more than three dozen neurotransmitters for brain function. It's amazing. A kidney bean actually helps and uh, heal, maintain, you want to guess what organ? Kidneys, okay? Kidney function, and they look exactly like human kidneys. Celery, bok choy, and rhubarb, and many more like those, uh, are just like our bones. These foods specifically target bone strength. Bones are 23% sodium, and these foods are 23% sodium, If you don't have enough sodium in your diet, the body pulls it from the bones, thus making them weak. These foods replenish the skeletal needs of the body. It's amazing. Now we'll get a little bit more intimate here. I think this is fascinating. Avocados, eggplant, and pears target the health and function of the womb and cervix of a female. And they look just like these organs. Research shows that when a woman eats one avocado a week, it balances hormones, sheds unwanted birth weight, and prevents cervical cancers. And how profound is this? Catch this. It takes exactly nine months to grow an avocado from blossom to fruit. Okay, guys, it's our turn. Figs are full of seeds and hang in twos when they grow. Not something you're going to hear in church every Sunday? (laughs) Figs increase the mobility of male sperm and increase the number of sperm as well as helping to overcome male sterility. Absolutely amazing. Sweet potatoes look like a pancreas and actually balance the glycemic index of diabetics. Oranges, grapefruits, and other citrus fruits look like the mammary glands of the female and actually assist the help of the breasts and the movement of lymph in and out of the breasts. Onions look like the body's cells, and research shows onions help clear waste materials from all of the body's cells. They even produce tears, which wash the epithelial layers of our eyes. A working companion, garlic, also helps eliminate waste materials and dangerous free radicals from the body. Is that amazing? God's given us all this amazing food, and it looks like parts of our body that it helps. Clue in here. Some of that research from my friend Richard Martinez, he's a nutritional health coach. If you Google his name, you can find him, and he actually coaches people, helping them in these various areas. He's got a website called Unification, Y-O-U-Nification, and it's just brilliant. I just love this stuff. Thank you, God, for giving us what we need. Some other books I've read recently, because some of you might want to dive deeper into some of this stuff, probably the most holistic book I know is a book called Integrative Nutrition. And Josh Rosenthal is the author, and it talks about our entire body and how all those things work together. A couple more popular books are both Wheat Belly, uh, written by uh, Dr. Bill Davis, just brilliant stuff. PBS specials are on right now. You can order the DVDs for a pledge to KCO, you know, whatever it is, your public television station. But the stuff is so helpful, okay? The other one is Grain Brain, David Perlmutter. And if you're wondering why you have certain symptoms going on in your body, I challenge you, check out those books. Many people are finding health and healing just through nutrition just through what you're eating and not eating. And it's amazing how that can become the natural medicine God had intended it to be. There's a lot to learn in this area. Second area, let's look at the area of exercise, okay? This is a little convicting, maybe too, but it's in the Bible, okay? 1 Timothy 4 says, "...for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things." holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So, while physical training is not everything, the Bible says it got some value, okay? And if you want to try to be godly, you better pay attention to that, right? Because remember, our, our body is like batteries, right? It's our power pack, and it won't have the energy it needs if you don't give it what it needs. Our bodies were meant to move, not to sit. So, literally right now, you're sinning. By sinning. They say sitting is the new cigarettes, because we live in this sedentary society where we sit most of the day. I go to seminars now and are involved with things, and they literally try to get people up far more often and sitting less because of how bad it is to just sit. Our bodies were meant to move and to be in motion and do those kinds of things. We all need encouragement this way. So if you need help, get help, okay? It might be a personal trainer that helps you get to know how to use your body differently. It might just be a friend that you say, can we just exercise together or walk together or hike together. A few years ago, my wife Darlene uh, started a group called Trek that goes on a hike once a month all around Southern California. You get the benefit of not only the exercise, you get to be in God's creation, which is awesome, and you get to be with a group of people, friends, and do some social stuff all together. So, this isn't boring. Have fun with it. Think of new ways to exercise. A couple years ago, we got road bikes, started a brand new hobby at 50 years old, Okay? Just to get out and get more exercise and see things. I love snowboarding, and I used to snow when it snowed in California, but not so much anymore. Uh, Kind of frustrating. But just do something. Got a friend, um, Casey Anderson. Her, Her husband's a pastor right over here at Coast Bible Church in San Juan Capistrano. Casey is a yoga instructor. And she's also, she has a website called oilpraylove.com. And on that site, she integrates prayer and essential oils and yoga, and it's amazing. We bring Casey to our pastor's retreats we do, and she leads them in yoga. And it, there's nothing more hilarious than seeing pastors doing yoga together. okay? Just good movement. There's so many ways we can exercise, so have fun with it. Have fun with it. Third area is sleep. Sleep, rest. Sabbath, those kinds of things. When I was sharing with a good friend of mine some of my own adrenal fatigue and how, uh, you know, I had just not taken good care of my body, he sent me some pictures and they said, have you ever been this tired? And there were pictures of some dogs. Have you ever been as tired as this dog or as this little guy or is this dog? <laughs> there was like 20 dog pictures. I wasn't going to make you see all of them, but, you know, when animals need to rest, they sleep. They do what God asks them to do. Here's a question. I, I ask this a lot of places that I go, and I really like to see just by show of hands. So just kind of honestly put up your hand, okay? No judgment here. But how many of you sleep at least nine hours a night, okay? You sleep nine hours a night or more. Can I see a show of hands? Okay, only like one. There was quite a few in the first service. Eight hours a night. So now you put your hand down. Eight hours at least, okay? Hands down, seven hours. Okay, quite a few at seven. How about six hours? You sleep about six hours. Okay, how about five hours? see five. Okay, a couple of you. Four hours, around four hours? Any four or three or less? Okay, thank you for helping cue me in. There's a lot of research about sleep. The best research I know um, says that the person, the average adult needs nine hours of sleep. okay. Now, the exception is we're talking about some of the young moms attacked me after the first service when I said this because, like, the only place I can get alone is in the bathroom. So, how am I going to sleep? The good news is it doesn't have to be contiguous sleep altogether. You can use naps, and it can add up to nine hours in a day. So, I have such compassion for young moms. So, please ask them to forgive me when you see some of the moms that are part of your church because I never try to make people feel guilty. I'm just saying our bodies need nine hours sleep. Kids need even more, right? Teenagers need more. Kids need even more than that. And we are amazingly underslept. And if you don't believe that, research is all over the place. Just last month, Newsweek ran this issue of Newsweek, the Great American Sleep Deficit. And they asked this question, if you're feeling cranky, confused, or too tired for anything, blame it on Thomas Edison. We're all bushed, and it's his fault. Humans have been screwing with their body clocks and getting less sleep ever since Edison had his very bright idea. Okay, right? He invented the light bulb. Indeed, our classic eight-hour night only dates back to the invention of the light bulb in the late 1800s. Historians believe that before the dawn of electric lighting, most people got plenty of sleep. Why? Because God built in a clock. It's called the sun and the moon. And when the sun goes down, it gets dark, and it's time to go to bed and sleep. It's not rocket science. And then when the sun comes up, it's time to wake up. Wouldn't that be amazing to just use what God provided us? But no, we have things called alarm clocks, and then we have all the artificial light and the things that we bring into that. It's interesting how it's been changing over years. Researchers at the University of Chicago recently studied our sleep patterns over time and concluded we now sleep between one to two hours less than we did 60 years ago. In the 70s, most Americans got about 7.1 hours per night, and um, now the average is about 6.1 per night, which pretty much was displayed here in the room as you guys raised your hands as well. An hour was lost in 40 years. Now, think about it. If we keep up at this rate, we'll be down to less than four hours a night by the end of the century, and the article says very, very cranky (laughs) at the same time, okay? Okay. Modern technology has really affected this, hasn't it? Because blue light, all of our devices have blue light, our TVs, our screens, our phones, our tablets all have blue light, and scientists will tell you blue light makes it really difficult to go to sleep. So the worst thing you can do if you're trying to get to sleep is watch a television or take a tablet and and use that to read before you go to bed. There's something about the blue light that just kind of intersects with our bodies and keeps us from sleeping well. So just if you're struggling with sleep, kind of pay attention to some of those things. But there's even a bigger problem than that, and that's the We're more stimulated now than we've ever been. And many people don't realize this, but we're stimulated because something happens when somebody calls you or texts you or Facebooks you or whatever. And you're like, I'm important. They need me. Someone loves me right now. i got to check this text right now. And you know kind of that compulsion, right, that when your phone goes off, you want to check it. But there's something very physiological going on. You get a dopamine drip in your brain. One of the neurotransmitters, dopamine, literally gives you a little drip every time you get one of those messages, okay? Now, that might sound kind of innocuous, but it's not. Dopamine as a neurotransmitter is stronger than heroin. That's how addicting it is and it's a chemical in our brain. It's a pleasure chemical. So it's there for a reason. Pleasure is a good thing, but what do you think a slow drip every time something goes off is going to do? It's going to make you addicted to whatever it is that causes that. That's why we have this phone addiction. That's why we even have phantom ringing disease, right? I mean, this is becoming literally a disorder. Do you ever feel the phantom ring, especially if you carry your phone in your pocket and your leg vibrates and your phone's not there? What's up with that? It's because we're getting this addiction to checking it constantly, and our body's starting to respond to it. Can you see how this becomes a problem and how it affects our sleep? Yeah? Some of you are tired right now. We need to just go take a nap together, right? that feel really good. Bring your blanket to church next Sunday. Tell Boogie I told you to. I'm just going to sleep a little bit more. You know, once confined to coffee and tea, this is still from the Newsweek, caffeine is now showing up in all kinds of other ways. Topical sprays, that promise the rush without the crash. Soap, you can get caffeine soap that says it'll give you a buzz in the bath. <laughs> Stockings from Australia that, give, that keep you perky and supposedly eliminate cellulite. And toothbrushes that wake you up while cleaning your teeth. Not to mention the plethora of foods that now contain caffeine, beer, caffeinated beer, marshmallows, perky jerky, gotta love that, lollipops, and bottled water with caffeine are now just some of the examples. Meanwhile, the military is, if it's not bad enough, the military is researching to try to figure out a search for brain wakefulness, things that will help keep soldiers alert and awake. So, they're researching a process called transcranial direct current stimulation, which more or less zaps the brain with electricity if a soldier starts to nod off because caffeine's not good enough, okay? So, this little electrode gets hooked up to you and it can keep you awake and alert and not needing to sleep at all. For those looking to sleep less without drugs or military technology, there's the Uberman sleep schedule. The Uberman takes 20-minute naps taken every four hours. That's just two hours of sleep in every 24-hour period. So, if you really want to go hardcore, be Uberman and only sleep two hours, okay, with 20-minute naps throughout the day. Then we have all kinds of sleep-related disorders that are on the rise, all kinds of things. Bottom line, you guys, our brains need to defragment like a hard drive, and sleep allows that to happen. Your brain's like a hard drive with all this information and some stuff it needs to remember and some stuff it needs to forget, and that's when that happens is when you sleep. It's defrag, and if you're not doing it, you know what that's like, hey? Your brain just doesn't, it's not working as well the next day. Psalm 127.2, my wife sent me this verse a few weeks ago, and I thought, what a great verse that applies to this. Psalm 127 says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Is that a great verse? God grants us sleep. He loves us. He wants you to rest. He wants you to sleep. I think it's even cool that if the old Jewish Sabbath that's practiced from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, if you follow a Jewish Sabbath or any of you practice a Sabbath, which I think is a wonderful rhythm, what is the very beginning of your Sabbath? If it starts at sundown on Friday, the very first thing you do is sleep, and God meets you there with His grace. You can't do anything. God just says, you know what? You can't do anything. Leave me in charge. It's good. Go ahead just go to sleep. I'll be with you there. That's a wonderful thought. Here's a homework assignment, and uh, I say it very seriously. I want you to give it a shot, okay, is the try to sleep nine hours a night for one week and just see what happens. Nine hours a night. That's the amount that scientists say that people need okay? Now, I know young moms, it's it's not going to happen, okay? But here's the good news. Like I said, it doesn't have to be all at once. You can take naps and add up to nine hours in a day. But I'd love you to just give it a try. Just give it a challenge. We do this with leaders. We take pastors on retreats for three days. We require them to sleep nine hours at night just because we need to learn to sleep more. So, there's your homework assignment should you choose to accept it and just see what happens, okay? I promise you, you will see some massive changes if you do. Let's look at the last area, stress. Stress. My spiritual director asked me one day, we were talking about stress management, and he just looked at me and said, so what would happen if you didn't manage it? I thought, hmm, I don't know what to do with that, because we're so concerned about managing stress, right, and trying to figure out what to do with it, and if you didn't have much to be stressed about before after this message, you do now all the stuff that we're talking about here, there's a big link between adrenaline in our body and stress. One of my other mentors, Arch Hart, wrote a great book a number of years ago called The Hidden Link Between Adrenaline and Stress. Profound stuff. And we got to understand where it comes from, okay? Part of this adrenaline rush comes from how much we're hurried. We always feel like we have to be places and get there and get there quickly, right? We have no capacity for slowness or time. So our world just keeps speeding up over and over and over again. And one of the quotes that's challenged me was by Dallas Willard, and Dallas put it this way, to be a godly person, to be someone that isn't living a frantic life, you have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There's no way you can see your life renovated in this whole series what we're talking about. There's no way your body's ever going to heal and be healthy if you can't ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life okay? Hurry sickness is a huge disease in our day. There's a lot that's been written about it, okay? And many of us are guilty of it. We're probably all guilty of it at at some time. But, you know, some of you, you know you have hurry sickness, right? And here's a little gauge if if you can't tell if you do. When you go to the grocery store and you get in a line, which line do you get in? You get in the shortest line, right? And you get in the shortest line. There's probably one line that you're also looking at that was kind of short, and maybe that one would be quicker, but you pay attention to that line over there just to see if that person where you would be is going to get to the checkout sooner than where you are. Any of you do that, right? And then you kind of keep track, and if you make it, you feel good about yourself. If they make it first to the front, you're like, oh, I should have got in that line. I got in the wrong line. I could have saved 15 seconds if I had gotten there quicker. Any of you do that, right? Or when you drive and you come up to a red light, you choose the the lane with the car in it or the empty lane. You know the right answer, right? You choose, or if all the lanes are blocked, then in your head you're trying to do the math, figuring out the type of car, the size of engine, the horsepower of the car, the age of the person driving, and how quickly they're going to pull away from the stoplight so you can get behind that car. If you can relate to any of those things, you have hurry sickness, okay? We all do. We, we do those kinds of things. You can, check your, you can check the level of adrenaline in your body, okay? They make little things called stress dots that you can put on your hand, stress rings that you can wear. They used to call them mood rings, Uh, in the 70s or something. I just actually found my mood ring the other day that I had in the 70s. It changes color. But what that does is it taps into the temperature of your hands. And here's how you can check your own adrenaline level. You can do it right now, okay? God built into us the fight or flight syndrome, right? So, if we were in a fight or we were fleeing and running, the blood leaves our hands and feet. When blood leaves your hands or your feet, they get cold. So, here's how you can test. it: just put your hands on your cheek or something. And if your hands feel cold, you have some adrenaline going. If your hands are warm, not, not so much, okay? You're not likely to have it. That's an easy way to check. Right now, my hand feels cold, right? Because to be preaching at you, I'm using adrenaline to do that. So, it's normal. What you don't want is to live on adrenaline for a long period of time. You want it to be able to drain and go away. So, do a little checks. See if there's adrenaline going through your body like that, because if there is too much, that is doing damage to your body. adrenaline's fine, but it should be short-lived, okay? It's only there for a time when you need some extra energy, and then it should go away. But what we do is we learn to tap it all the time, so we stay up, up, full of energy all the time. And instead of our body having good energy, it has this real adrenaline-filled energy, and then you end up with adrenal fatigue, adrenal exhaustion, or other kinds of things like that. One of the best things you can do sometimes is just get alone spend some solitude time with God, go take a walk with God for an hour or two. When I do this with pastors and seminary students, I teach adjunct at Fuller Seminary, and last weekend I was up in the Bay Area, Menlo Park, teaching a bunch of seminary students, and we were doing six hours in solitude and silence. It's one of the best things you can do that's so good for this. But they're like, I want to bring this, and I want to bring that, and I'm like, no, you can't bring anything. I want you to just bring yourself. And they're like, but why? Can't I bring my Bible? And I'm like, no, because the purpose of solitude is to, for God to let you know that He's available to you and you don't need to lean on anything else. We'll always use a crutch with that. So we're always looking for a distraction or something to lean on. And one of the best things you can do is just put your hands behind your back. Go take a stroll with God and God is there for you. He wants to just take a walk with you. That's one of the most relaxing things you can do. And here's another little assignment. Let me give you a word to remember. The end of your day, and right before you get into bed, or when you get into bed and you lay your head on that pillow, say the word enough. Enough. I have done enough. In God's eyes, I've done enough. Done a good job today. And maybe even at a deeper level, not just I've done enough, but I am enough. God loves me so much. Because when we don't feel like we're enough and we feel inadequate, right? Isn't that what drives a lot of our hurry, a lot of our stress, a lot of our poor eating habits, a lot of our neglect of our body, is we just don't feel like we're enough. But I want to tell you, you are enough. You've done enough. And it's a good reminder for us to say every day at the end of the day. So, what's your physical formation story, okay? We all have a story in this way. How holy is your body? How are you doing with some of these areas? I don't want you to feel guilty like I said. That's not my purpose, not to shame you or judge you in any way. We are all fallen, broken people affected by our humanity in this body that we live in, okay? But I believe our body is important and our body can be redeemed, okay? If you want the energy to start your renovation the series that you're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. You need to take care of your batteries. You need to take care of your body. Many write off the importance of the body as kind of unimportant. You know, it's kind of that, oh, it'll burn one day. God will give me a new body and it'll be fine. Don't do that. No, it's not beyond redemption. I think God's gonna take what we have and he's gonna somehow remake that in a new way, but we have a stewardship of the wonderful body that God gave us. The natural result is ignoring the body and hoping that it'll somehow cooperate with my spiritual goals. My promise, it doesn't. Your body doesn't cooperate unless you pay attention to it. So in what physical arena do you struggle the most and need to pay attention to? Sometimes this feels overwhelming, like where do I start? I just suggest, just, just pick one you know? On the way home, don't stop at McDonald's. That'd be good. Good place to start. Look for some of the food God created. Take a walk tomorrow. Take some more deep breaths. Find a friend to do some things with, okay? Don't beat yourself up about it, but take some steps in this area. You'll find your body becoming more holy. And you'll find your life being renovated in some brand new ways. I want to close in prayer. But I want to do it a little bit differently, okay? So I want you to kind of sitting where you are, do what's called a giving your body to God exercise. We're just going to do it for a couple minutes, nothing weird, okay? And what I want you to do is I want you to listen to what we do, and I'd really like you to spend more time at home doing it when you're alone okay? So we're going to do it kind of quickly, but I would love you to do another prayer just like this that you can spend maybe 15, 20 minutes doing it rather than the few minutes we're going to do it right now. But where you're sitting, just sit comfortably. Sit up straight in your chair. If your legs are crossed, maybe uncross them. If your arms are crossed, uncross them. Sometimes it's hard to be real comfortable if we're all crossed and knotted up like a pretzel. So just sit really relaxed. Take a deep breath. Close your eyes. And as I pray this prayer, all I'm going to do is like dedicate all the different parts of our body to God. And as I say these areas of our body, I just want you to say it to God about your own body, okay? And that own part of your body. Most of us have never given, we've like, we've given our heart to Jesus, whatever that means, but we've never given all the other parts of our body to God. And it's giving you a chance to do that. So let's pray. God, we want to give you every part of our bodies. We thank you for the bodies that you've given us, that give us the energy we need and the years of service that we have to be and live in your kingdom and do what you've called us to do. God, we give you our brain. Our brain is such an amazing computer and yet we don't pay much attention to it. Thank you for the brain that you've given us. I pray that you would help it to be healthy you would help it to be strong, that you'd be with our mind and our thought life, and I pray that it would be pure. We give our brain to you, God. God, we give you our eyes. Thank you for sight. Thank you even for the glasses and contact lenses or the LASIK or whatever helps us see better, but thank you for sight and wonderful things we get to see. Help us to worship you by the things that we see in your creation all around us, the people in our lives. Thank you for our ears. God, we give our ears to you, the things that we hear. Help us to pay attention to even the little sounds right now in the midst of a quiet room to thank you that we can hear. God, we give you our mouth, our tongue, our teeth, the ability to talk, chew, swallow. Thank you so much for the gift of a mouth God, thank you for the organs throughout our body. We thank you for our heart that pumps blood. Millions of gallons of blood over a lifetime are pumped because that little muscle keeps going. God, thank you for our heart. We give our heart to you, literally our physical heart that you created and that you keep pumping. God, we give you our stomach, our digestive system, the way that it does such a good job digesting all the stuff that we put in it. We give our stomach back to you. We give you our digestive system, our bladder, our kidneys, our liver, our colon, our pancreas, all of those organs that we never even think about. Thank you for creating them. Thank you for giving them to us. We dedicate them to you. God, we give you our hands and our arms, our hands that can do small tasks and write, can touch, can feel. Be able to communicate love to others as we touch a hand or touch an arm, or our arms that can give a hug, or carry things in the tasks that we're able to do. Allow us to do many of the jobs that you've called us to do. Thank you for our arms. We give them to you. God, thank you for our legs, for those that can walk, when we can walk well. We thank you for our feet, our calves, our thighs, and the way our legs give us balance, the ability to move from place to place thank you for our legs. From the top of our head to the tip of our toes, God, we thank you for every cell within our body because you created us and it was good. Your creation is good. God, as we think about renovating our bodies now, give us a spirit of your grace that we might have the energy and power to do what you called us to do with our bodies. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.